Hello and welcome to The Roundtable, a Next Generation Politics podcast. Next Generation Politics is leading a movement of young people committed to building bridges across various divides. I'm Chris, and this week, Ava, Madeline, Kenesha, and I spoke of Joy Malanza, founder of The Down Ballot. The Down Ballot seeks to help voters more easily, seamlessly, and intimately engage with the electoral process that determines their state representatives. Joy's political values were forged when she moved to the U.S. at age nine. There were lots of talks about politics in her family and lots of frustrations about the broken system they experienced. She initially planned to work in economic development, but became disillusioned and a socialist. George Floyd's murder and the subsequent protests were the catalyst that she, were the catalyst that sparked her recognition of the need for something like the down ballot to provide information for activists to become engaged voters. Protests aren't going to bring us universal health care. It's ultimately going to happen in the legislative chambers. Joy recognized how much language around voting is opaque and off-putting, which combined with broad-based voter suppression efforts keeps communities she cares about disenfranchised. She went through tons of data on who votes and who doesn't. Spoil alert, white, older, older white people vote and landlords raising rents always vote. Voting at the local level is power. Others are showing up so if you don't, you cede power. Meanwhile, a lot of people don't know why midterms matter. So the down ballot needs to educate them. Joy has been experimenting with several depths and displays of content landing on providing brief interviews with candidates, calling out sneaky language and more. She is now going super hard with outreach to double their 40,000 followers because the midterms are so important. A lot of seats are being vacated and could lead to change in party power. Joy emphasizes that there are many ways to be an activist. She chooses to focus on those legislative and hopes you will too. Thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Ava Disney and Joy, thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm really excited to learn more about your views and your opinions because I saw your Twitter and I agree 100%. Um, but yeah, I'm, I am personally a little confused about voter suppression. So maybe if you could... Uh, talk with us a little bit more about that and give us some more details about how it happens. Yeah, thank you. And that's a really, really great question. It's a huge issue because so many people aren't able to vote um, due to it. And it happens in many different ways because politicians get really creative with how to suppress votes. Um, a lot of times you'll find this from Republican politicians and just as a disclaimer, I'm not a conservative whatsoever. So I'm going to always have a bias against uh, Republican politicians, because a lot of the times when we look at things like voter suppression, they are usually the ones behind it. So one of the easiest, most clear ways to suppress votes is to have complicated voter ID laws. People are not really sure what to bring to the voting polls. So they get there. Let's say they took only one day off of work or a couple of hours off of work. They can't take any more days. So that's like their one chance and their last chance to get to the polls. They get there and they're not allowed to get in and vote because they don't have the correct identification. That's one. Another form of voter suppression is prohibiting incarcerated folks from voting. So because of um, 
a lot of times what you'll find is that incarcerated individuals will tend to lean more to the left because of the position in society and because of sort of policies that Democrats propose tend to be more progressive towards imprisoned people. But we recently had a ballot uh, measure in New York about that because um, prison gerrymandering is one of the biggest ways to vote, to suppress votes. That's another one. There's also just like random purges of voter rolls where people will go to the polls and find that they're not on the voter roll and because they don't know how to advocate for themselves or because they're intimidated, they are turned away. Transportation is another one where voting polls are inaccessible. As you can see, there's so many ways, including ways that also inhibit in, uh, disabled people from showing up to the polls, like in certain states where it's not customary to allow mail-in ballots. That makes it really hard. So, uh, hi, my name is Kanisha. I'm a rising high school senior from Queens, New York. And in addition to being on the podcast, I'm also a facilitator at YVote. And as the name of that program might, you know, make you think, this program is like really centered around civic engagement and all that. Yeah, like obviously, you know, civic engagement, voting, those are all things that are very important to me. And I think to all of us, even though we're not of voting age yet. Mm -hmm. um, and it's definitely a topic recently that's been on the forefront of my mind. So I'm just like really interested to talk about like the accessibility of voting, how we can make that easier, mm -hmm. um, like the different barriers to voting, kind of like Ava was talking about, and then also looking at the importance of voting. So like really exploring the different asset, like aspects of getting people who's like voices usually aren't heard getting them to the polls and making sure we can make our electoral process as fair as possible mm -hmm. and as representative of you know our nation as possible so mm -hmm. yeah that's it hey everyone my name is chris um as i sip on my iced coffee i will introduce myself i am a rising senior from queens um i am so excited to be here today I have a question actually about midterms election, midterm elections because that is um, a topic of discussion for today's podcast. And also, how are the midterm elections so important in voting in general? And your thoughts on the outcome of yesterday's primary in Wyoming for Liz Cheney because she did lose her seat for Wyoming, which is very unfortunate. Awesome. So sorry I'm off camera. My camera hasn't been working today, unfortunately. Uh, but my name is Madeline. I'm a rising high school senior from Brooklyn, New York. Um, so I'm excited to see uh, what your work is through down the ballot. Okay, I will introduce myself now. So my name is Joy, and I am awesome. I'm I'm the founder of Debt the Down Ballot. And essentially what it is, it's a civic tech platform that we're building with just by some of my friends and people who know how to code um, to essentially make the process of understanding who you're voting for much simpler and easier. We're a very young organization and very small, just going through those growing pains. And um, simultaneously, you can find me on TikTok where I talk a lot about politics. Um, and then also I have a podcast with another TikTok creator who I actually met on TikTok, but lives in New York. Um, and it's called Seven Politic. And our first episode was actually about voting and why it matters and the whole thing. We had some of our leftist uh, listeners a little bit upset with that, but you know, there's a lot of reasons why some people feel like voting doesn't matter. It's a waste of time. 
fun. Um, yeah, um, I can get us started a little bit. So I just wanted to ask you a bit about, so I guess what from your background or anything like that brought you to this work? Yeah, so I've always been really political since I was really young because my parents, they've always been really political. I didn't, um, I wasn't born in the United States though. I moved to the US when I was nine, which of course was for most of my childhood and my adulthood I've been in the United States and always been extremely interested in politics. Dinner table conversations in my household were always surrounding politics. So that was the first piece. The second piece was that sort of frustration that we all go through when we're young about why systems are broken. Why don't things work? Why are things like this? And that's eventually what led me to becoming a socialist and then launching the down ballot, which we launched in at the very end of 2020. Our first test run was literally right before the elections. We just wanted to see what it would be like if we could even build it. And since then, we've been trying to tweak and make the website better and gain more followers as well. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so the down ballot, super cool. Can you explain like how exactly does it help with informing people um, and like what you do and like who helped created it and just a basic overview? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So you know how in 2020, there's a lot of political activism going on after the George Floyd murder by the police. And there was a lot of different resources circulating, but they were super overwhelming and sort of pointed people into so many different directions. And I remember thinking about this idea that I had been sitting on for such a long time, which was the down ballot. I didn't know what to call it at that time. I didn't even know if it'd be possible, but I knew that I had wanted to do this. And so I reached out to uh, somebody that I had known from a previous um, job that I'd held who had been an intern at the time. And she was a product development intern, but she knew how to code. So she started building up the prototype of the down ballot ancestor because we've changed the website so many times by this point. Um, And so I literally just gathered different friends I would post on my social media and he would be like, oh, I want to join. And that's how it happened. And currently people have joined us from TikTok. They've also joined us from like different posts we've made across the internet, which has been really awesome. We do have a very small team and sometimes the team cycles in and out just because people are in one season of being a student and want to help, then they're done. And it's but it's a really interesting journey to see how many people have been really committed to the goal. And in terms of how it helps, so we've tested out a couple of different ways of providing information. The first round of of our prototype, we provided paragraphs and paragraphs of analyses. And it was pretty clear that nobody was reading that. It was too dense. No one's going to go through all that information. So we ended up changing it to just providing very, very simple yes or no. Does this candidate support this? Does the candidate support that? But then we realized that's too little. So now we've formed a middle ground where we provide a short analysis and sort of yes or no questions, but we're also revising some of the questions for the general election because I'm not super satisfied with some of them. And um, also because a lot of times candidates dodge the question or they provide a really sneaky answer that's like, you didn't really answer that question. Um, So actually what we're trying to do is reach out to candidates for like a three minute rapid fire and include that on the website as the analysis. So It can help people. And again, because I'm a socialist, our perspective is from a leftist perspective. So we're always going to call out sneaky language that doesn't make sense or, you know, is not progressive. Yeah. 
Okay, so my question for you, Joy, is how can we make voting more accessible to people? Because I mean, in our in our state of, of political in our state of politics currently, um, there have been many different ways that individuals have been deterred from voting and Mm -hmm. you know some people say well why should we vote there's no point to vote you know voting only is a small fraction of the change and that's a very true thing but you know your platform is about voting and engaging people to be able to you know have a say in politics and have that um have that platform so what do you think about that yeah Accessibility is a huge issue, like with voter suppression that I mentioned earlier, and even things like translation services. Um, that's a feature that we wanted to actually include on the down ballot this year, but it was such a small team. It's just, it wasn't possible, but we hope to include it for 2024. Um, people being able to go on the website and read it and the information in their language would be amazing, but so much information is literally obscured by that. Um, in terms of ways that we can increase accessibility. So one of the ways, it's sort of like circular logic a little bit. One of the ways to increase voter access is to vote. So those of us who can vote <laughs> um, and who can take off work um, and who have that luxury to go to the voting booths and all of that information, um, we need to do our part in electing officials who want to protect voter access. Another thing also that people tend to forget is that state legislatures are really, really important for voters voting access and they play a key role in voter suppression all the time. So you could have a state where the state legislature is like half-half between Republicans and Democrats. So voter suppression is always like an imminent threat. Or you could have a state legislature where there's mostly Democrats there that fight off you know, the votes from the Republicans who are pro voter suppression. So that's super key. And a lot of times it's decided in the halls of the state legislature. So that's a really important way as well. Another way also is people who, for example, work or in the workplace, if they have a workplace union, having that union advocate for them to be able to take off work. In a lot of states, it's legal to take off work and your employer should provide that, but people don't know. So when their employer says, no, you can't go, they're like, okay, because they don't know that they actually can fight that. Um, a lot of times access is literally determined by the fact that you might not know that you can advocate for yourself. So you just, you you you, you succumb to the battle and you give up because you don't know that you actually have other options. Um, but other than that, there's also other key things like you know access to transportation. But again, those nuances are also determined through the legislative process as well. So voting to end voter suppression is probably the best way to tackle it. I actually just went onto the downfall website right now and put in all of my uh, information and address and everything just to look and see and try out the website for myself. And I really love this resource. I think it's fantastic. And if it could be widely spread um, through use throughout um, the country, it would be such a fantastic way to increase uh, voter turnout. Um, and that makes me wonder, like, how can we like 
at this on a wider scale. Um, mm-hmm. I know you do have a background in advertising, which I find very cool because I'm super interested in business stuff. I'm in a, on a business track in my school. Um, and you obviously have a really strong online presence and uh, you really use uh, Twitter and TikTok to your advantage, which I think is fantastic and extremely timely. Um, so I'm curious about like how you plan on connecting the two um, and where the future of the down ballot is going to uh, be leading into. Yes, and thank you for saying that. That's very kind. We're, we're now actually editing the website. So if it crashes at some point, it, it, it's crashed so many times because we've had so much traffic. So to your point about you know having people look at the website, for the last New York election, I posted one TikTok being like, hey, go to the website. And it crashed like four times because there were too many people on it. But <laughs> we fixed that issue. Um, so TikTok is literally, it's the best. It's the best thing ever. That's how we've gotten to know most people. That's how we've um, made our traffic go to our website. That's also how we've been found by brands that have paid us money to make videos for them which then enables us to do things like pay for the website hosting because that's expensive. And all like I'm, I mean, we don't have any, um, uh, what's, what's the word? Like people who fund um, investors. We don't have any investors. I'm the investor. <laughs> TikTok has been super helpful in bridging that gap. And our hope is to become a household name by 2024. Hopefully on the momentum of this midterm general election, we try to drum up Um, a lot of excitement for the primaries, but a lot of people just don't understand why primaries are important. So we kind of put our heads down and like, okay, you know what, let's just go for the general because everyone's going to pay attention to that. Um, So for the next three months, we are going super hard with making content, trying to increase our 40,000 followers to like, we're trying to double that so that we can get even more eyes on the website and hoping to drive maybe 200,000 people's website. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know if it'll work. We'll see. So that's sort of the goal there. Um, and will you ask another part of, your, of the question as well that I'm forgetting? I'm actually not sure now. Um, <laughs> I think you kind of covered all of my bases. I think that you know, the work that you're doing, obviously it has a lot of traction and because it's so relevant, to people's lives and it's for everyone's lives because obviously voting impacts everyone across um, any um, borders or differences. Um, And so if this could reach those margins that you're hoping to uh, reach to, I think it would just be fantastic. Like I'm going to be sharing this to my family uh, for sure and making sure that um, they have access to that as well. Awesome. Thank you. And we're about to finalize publishing the information for this second New York primary. We're literally, I'm announcing it tonight, like right after this. So, yes. All right. Um, so I just wanted to ask a bit about like in your, yeah, just from your viewpoint, like what are some of the greatest barriers towards voting? Yes. I love that question because when we were first starting out with the down ballot and we wanted to um, sort of have a framework of why we're building this website to give it to different people that wanted to join our team. We did a lot of research on who actually votes and who doesn't vote. So statistically, it's been shown that white, older, affluent constituents consistently outvote 
young, more progressive POC uh, voters. They show up to those polls like their lives depend on it because they do and they know that. And think about the fact that, you know, the landlords right now in New York raising rent, there is not an election where a landlord will not go to because they know that they can vote in their interests there. They can vote in, if not a Republican who is going to support them in rising rents, they can vote for their for the most conservative Democrat because conservative Democrats do exist, who is as close to Republican as possible. Um, their interests are determined at the local level and they're fully aware of that. So when I see young people super disillusioned by voting in the electoral process, I'm like, no, that's where these decisions are being made. And you're, I don't want to say enemies because we don't want to use divisive language, but the people that you're actively trying to circumvent in order to make society a little bit easier and better for the more vulnerable, they're showing up and they're voting for their guy and they're going to put that person in. When I think about even Eric Adams being voted in as mayor in a blue city, that has been sort of the hub of the defund the police movement, only to vote in a former policeman who was who used to be a Republican, but is now a very conservative Democrat and literally parrots a lot of really conservative talking points about policing. You have to wonder what happened there. And what happened is that young progressive voters don't show up to polls. There's this idea that, oh, we've voted and it hasn't worked. But the truth is that we actually haven't. We haven't voted. We don't because it hasn't worked because we actually haven't done it. So this can sort of segue into a larger conversation that we've been having on TikTok where I am part of a lot of leftists on TikTok who make content about how to organize and move things towards the left. Now, in that group, there's a lot of leftists who believe voting is useless, like completely useless. Don't tell people to vote and don't berate them for not voting either. I don't believe in berating people for not voting for many reasons, of course. But sometimes it gets frustrating to see the conversation about thing B, about how frustrating this thing right here is, and whatever it might be, let's say it's horrendous rents, the reversal of Roe v. Wade, et cetera, that aren't connected to electoral processes. Because all of these major legislative changes that have happened, those are determined in the legislative floor by elected officials, even things like prosecuting the police who murder um, innocent civilians, that's done by an, the attorney general who is also an elected official. So many judges are also elected officials, but we don't know this. So then we look at society and we say, this is really horrible. How could this have happened? And we miss all the political machinations that happened on the legislative floor that led to that. And because people think voting doesn't matter, we sort of run in circles about how to make change. And while I'm very, very pro mutual aid, I don't know if you know what mutual aid direct action are. Are you familiar with those terms? So basically mutual aid is a collective. <laughs> yeah. So mutual aid is a collective idea of basically giving to your neighbor, essentially. Instead of giving to charity, it's more effective to give to your neighbor because there you know exactly where that money is going and 100% of it is going to them. Whereas when you donate to a charity, 90% of that goes to the CEO because charities are also businesses, essentially, and the overhead costs. So mutual aid is something that's super important um, that I fully believe in. Direct action. So, for example, do you remember with the Line 3 protests, how people went to protest the building of the Line 3 pipeline? Um, and people were, like, you know, trying to um, 
have a lot of protests and protect the water as well. So that's a form of direct action or protests are also a form of direct action. And I believe in those as well. But those things aren't going to bring us universal health care. Universal health care is only going to come about in the halls of the legislature. That's literally the only way it can happen. And even when we protest, even when we demand for different things to happen, for our politicians to hear us, the only way they sign those bills into law is in the legislative chamber. So I firmly believe that we can be as radical as you want to, but we also have to understand that we need co-conspirators in the halls of the legislative chamber to see us and be like, oh, I'm going to go to bat for this policy because it represents my constituents. Wow, that was so well said. Um, so a little bit earlier, you said that people should advocate for this, like at work if they don't allow them to take a day off to vote. Mm-hmm. They fall victim to um, sensitivity and they don't want to talk about their opinions. Um, so could you give some advice uh, for people who want, who need to vote, but don't know what to say to their employers? Yes. So one of the things I like to talk about a lot is the workplace and how we all agree that democracy is important, but we somehow lose the plot when it comes to the workplace. We think it's it's okay for our employers to be workplace tyrants, um, essentially dictators within the confines of the workplace that we would never accept in the, in the political sphere, essentially. And given that we spend most of our time at work, do we, really, do we really live in a democracy if your employer gets to dictate so many aspects of your life from the time you have to wake up because you have to commute, because you have to get to work, et cetera, to the amount of time you spend at work. And also not only all these things, but also the fact that all labor under capitalism is coerced, like, People are afraid to speak up because they're afraid to lose their job. If they lose their job, that means losing their livelihood. Then how are they going to pay rent? Then how are they going to feed their kids? And it just spirals. The threat of not working could be death or homelessness or intense poverty. And that makes labor under capitalism extremely coercive and then leads to people not wanting to speak up at work because they're like, I literally need to keep my job. So I'm not going to speak up about this. So unions are something that are very, very important. Are you all familiar with unions and their role? Because <laughs> I love talking about unions. Yes. So unions are just basically workplace organizing efforts that can help get more, uh, get higher wages, um, better working conditions, whatever those working conditions might be. And unions are not just a thing of the past for coal miners in 1930 that were getting killed every day. They're for every single worker, from workers who work in warehouses to fast food restaurants to even to the corporate world. I know a lot of people who think that because they earn 80K at a corporate job, they don't need to unionize, but it's like, oh, can you take PTO whenever you want to? No, then you need to unionize. Are you always expected to work overtime without extra pay? Unionize, like all these things, all the complaints you have about work can be addressed by a workplace union. And I always say this is important because HR, I know you, you all are young, you haven't gotten to the workplace yet. You still have college and then all of that. But, you know, all these things are very important to consider at a young age because these are the times when you're trying to understand how things, and I don't want to say the real world because you do live in the real world, but 
in the professional world work. And even as young students, you might have a job. Like, do you guys have jobs? Boom. Does your job have a have a union? <laughs> so, you know, or like, you know, wherever you work, is it part of a larger union? So all those things are super important because even as students, you get you have to be able to advocate for yourselves, um, especially if you're being treated unfairly, things like you know, sexual harassment complaints, all those things can be addressed by union. And unions are important because unions are not HR. A lot of people think, well, we have HR, so do we need the union? But HR is there for the company, it's not there for the workers. It's to protect the company. Um, that's why a lot of times, for example, you'll hear a lot of covered up cases because the, the HR department is there to protect the company from bad press. So that's really important to you know consider when we think about why unions are important. So I say that to say unions are key in enabling workers to be able to speak up and advocate for themselves without the fear of retaliation. And also what can help is instead of one worker going to the employer and being like, I need to take time off, then they're making themselves a target. The union can speak on behalf of the employees so that there's no one target who's isolated. And also it amplifies the message. If one person is like, hey, can I take off time to go vote? Versus if half the company is like, can we take off time to go vote? It's like, okay, go vote. <laughs> so the pressure gets to the employer. So yeah. I definitely agree with all the points said. Um, how do you feel about this midterm, this midterm, this midterm election affecting our general election? Mm -hmm. Yes, midterms are really important because they're in the middle of a four-year term for whoever's in the presidency or whoever is currently holding um, a Senate seat or a seat in Congress in general. So, for example, this year, a lot of seats are being vacated by a lot of Republicans, for example. So it's really, really important to try to fill those seats with Democrats, um, especially in light of Roe. So in our first episode on the Sip and Politic podcast, we gave, for example, Pennsylvania as a really, really good example of why we need to flip those seats in Pennsylvania. Um, because when it comes down to it, if we can get as many blue seats in the Senate, then what will happen is when the senators go again to vote to codify a row, we'll have enough votes to actually pass that. So there's the filibuster, which prevents or which allows any politician really to argue a policy down to death, essentially, and kill it. But if we get enough blue seats, we can remove the filibuster temporarily, allow us to get enough votes to codify row and that will be so so important so that's for just one simple example I can think of that is super concrete about why the midterms are important and also think of any any politician I, I always say Republican politician but any politician that you don't like um, <laughs> now is the time to look at whether or not their seat is being challenged and vote for their opponent so that's just an easy, uh, easy way to think of this. And then you asked about what we can do outside of voting. So like I mentioned earlier about mutual aid, that's really, really key. Donating to any mutual aid groups that you know of that can distribute that money in local communities is really key. Amplifying the work of community organizers, getting involved in you know protests is also important. Being a poll volunteer. So if you want to volunteer at the polls, that's a really easy way to help with access because they always need poll volunteers. Um, so that's that's super easy. Maybe we can think about that for November. Yeah. 
So there you go. Thank you. Uh, I hope people read, you know, this uh, is a labor of love for Joy. She has another full-time job, even though it seems like down the ballot could certainly be a full-time job. So thank you for all that you take on, um, you know, uh, for the sake of our democracy and civil society. And thank you for having me on. This was super fun.